sports stadiums and large public venues come in all shapes and sizes. Some have domes, some have natural grass fields, some have banked concrete ovals where cars drive fast. While no two stadiums may be perfectly alike, there's one thing that all stadiums today have in common, a reliance on technology. This is the Stadium Tech Report podcast, where we talk to people on both ends of the stadium technology equation, including the stadium technology teams who deploy it and use it, and the vendors and service providers who supply it. I'm Paul Kapuska, editor of the Stadium Tech Report and your host on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. JMA is a leading provider of distributed antenna systems in hundreds of stadiums worldwide, delivering the best performance, highest reliability, and lowest total cost of ownership. Our platform ensures that you're 5G ready when it comes time to add a private wireless 5G network to your existing venue infrastructure without a rip and replace, providing a foundation of wireless connectivity to improve the fan experience while reducing operating costs for stadium owners and broadcasters. Visit jmawireless.com app to explore more. Does your venue need a high-capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. Over the past year and a half, there is no hotter stadium technology than the checkout-free concession stand. Allowing fans to enter a store by swiping a credit card, then to take whatever they want, and then just leave, has been enthusiastically accepted by both fans and venues, with stadium stores being added on almost a daily basis. Joining us today on the Stadium Tech Report podcast is Krishna Motakuri, CEO of Zippin, a San Mateo, California startup that is leading the stadium checkout-free marketplace, with more stadium-specific stores than anyone else, including Amazon. Join us as Krishna talks about why checkout-free is so popular and why it may eventually replace all other forms of stadium concession payment, only on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. Can you tell us just a few reasons why checkout-free technology is so attractive for stadium-based concessions? There's just way too many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's say, let's say three. Let's hold it to three. Yeah, then. yeah, we'll start with probably the few. So the first one is I think um, fans always wanted it. You know, fans actually want frictionless experiences. I mean, they're spending hundreds of dollars on tickets. They're going up, parking their cars, walking in through long lines to get into the stadium. I mean, the last thing they want to do is actually wait in concessions lines, um, especially, you know, once the game starts, you know, they don't want to miss any action, right? So. The fans always wanted it. And so that's definitely translating. The second one I would say is um, checkout friction has actually meant, you know, lost revenue for operators for a very long time, right? They've known this all along that if lines were not there, customers could freely buy anything they want, they would actually be happy to spend more. Just imagine somebody's at the seventh inning, they're watching, they want this extra beer, but, you know, would they risk, (laughs) you know, leaving their seat and missing the you know, fabulous moment, right? So part of that reason is why, you know, sales actually are lower than what they could be. And by removing that friction, they see sales go up. And in fact, we have case studies where we've seen sales go up by 78%. 
right? Wow. When, when you couldn't check in, check out free technology. The third reason I can give you is um, ROI. It's very quick in stadiums, right? So if you think about it, I mean, the space is right there. They don't have to go looking for space. Uh, the audience is already there. The audience is captive, right? And it's really just, you know, this friction eliminating increases sales, reduces labor costs. So most of our customers in stadiums have been able to see ROI in less than six months. Some have wow. been able to see a return within two months. And then they're sitting on a hefty profit after that. Fourth is, I would say, improved selection. Like the right. way checkout free technology works, it doesn't take up any space on the floor, right? Uh, space is valuable. There are no kiosks or anything to put on the ground. So except for gates, there's nothing there. Means you can actually improve your selection, put more inventory, which also translates to more sales, right? And finally, I would say, you know, eventually comes back to the fan experience. Better fan experience means, you know, sponsors, more sponsors will, will come to you. It's more attractive. And also, you know, uh, better, you know, season ticket sales, right? <laughs> the more fan experience gets you more, right? So I think these are all the reasons I would say uh, stadiums are gravitating towards. Well, and it seems kind of fun too, right? I mean, it's like you go there and you see this is put in, you're like, wow, our team is really, you know, it's really cutting edge here. This is kind of cool. Because exactly. I've actually, I've seen people taking pictures of themselves. In- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is, it is an experience, right? So, I mean, fans are there obviously to enjoy the game, but they're also, there to enjoy all aspects of, of the whole experience. And, and this is a really important part of that. I mean, this is the first time they're experiencing something that they haven't seen before. Right. So let's back up a little bit then. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you had been doing before and how the idea uh, for Zipin came to you? Because I want to hear the milk story, but you can say <laughs> sure. it in your own words. Sure, sure. Yeah. So my, my background is actually e-commerce and retail supply chain. You know, you know, originally a technologist, so I understand technology very well. But this story starts about eight years ago when um, I had just come back from a stint in South Africa. And one day my wife just calls me. It's, we were in California at the time. And it's like, okay, hey, we're out of milk. You know, can you go grab some milk on your way home? So, you know, I did what I normally do, which is I try to go to our favorite grocery store. Uh, but it was a weekday evening. And I take one step in and I see these long lines, right? So there's no way I was just going to go in and wait five, 10 minutes, just one. one just minute. to get a, a carton of milk. Yeah. Then I had to end up you know, going to a, a convenience store at a gas station and then picked up some milk, which, of course, my wife didn't like because it wasn't organic. <laughs> it's not the right brand. Exactly. Not that brand. But that aside, I mean, it got, really, got me really thinking, like, you know, there's got to be something here, you know. Retailers spend a lot of money, you know, attracting traffic to their stores, right? There's a lot of advertising dollars to spend. And they also spend money forecasting inventory and showing and the right product was there on the shelf. But it didn't happen. The transaction didn't happen because of this bottleneck called checkout, right? So that is where I started looking and I found that actually Americans um, spend about 100 hours a year waiting in lines, all kinds of lines, okay? But a big chunk of those lines are actually your, you know, retail lines, grocery lines, stadium lines, like that. And so that's how we, we decided, you know, this was a problem worth solving. That's neat. You know, from a technology standpoint, I think a lot of people look at this and they don't believe that it can work, you know, with the cameras and they're like looking around, you know, how does this actually work? What were some of the biggest hurdles, you know, technology wise to get this going? I was reading on one of the, I think on the posts where you were talking about the, there was no existing um, sort of work in 
overhead camera abilities to deduct what's going on. So it's just kind of interesting. That's right. Yeah, no, you're right. So back in 2014-15, we knew this was a huge problem, but we could solve it many different ways. And obviously, we were looking at all different types of things. My co-founder has a pretty, pretty deep experience in computer vision, right? So he has over 20 years of experience, the PhD in computer vision. So, I mean, that was definitely one of the options, but we looked at others as well. In the early days of the circa 2015, we took two bets, which really played out very well for, for Zipin, for us in the long run. One bet was that, hey, this smartphone revolution, it's just going to you know, really go on for many more years. And the uh, and the components and the, and the quality of components will keep getting better uh, and the price will drop, right? So that was one, which meant that the cameras would actually be really good quality and very, very low price point. And, right. And the second bet we took was that, hey, this deep learning thing, which actually back then was just about two years old and started to show good promise in image recognition, that deep learning would be the right approach to actually build the AI. Okay? So those two bets we took. And then, of course, we, you know, we spent three years actually, you know, uh, experimenting with a whole bunch of other things within those two parameters, right? So we, we ensured that cameras were never expensive. I mean, it's hard for people to realize, but back then computer vision meant you bought like two, $3,000 worth of camera. No, one camera would be that much, right? Yeah. Imagine putting 20 cameras, it's too expensive. So we were, we were doing this with these commodity cameras, but a lot of experiments. And finally, at 2018, 2017, I would say, we had a solution that we actually felt good about it. The AI was trained well enough. And we actually opened a store, a real store inside our office, got a, got a, you know, <laughs> got a permit license and actually sold some stuff in the store. Um, <laughs> but it was actually sold as a traditional store uh, with traditional checkout. But then we were able to actually collect data, record data with you know, people's permission and cool. use that for additional validation and training. And that's how we got started. And and I mentioned deep learning. One of the benefits we've had is that the more stores we launch, the more the AI learns on its own, right? And so it was extremely crucial for us that we would actually be out and start launching stores quickly. So we had to find that vertical, that segment that would adopt um, you know, the stack quickly. In that way, we were very different from many of our competitors at that point who were trying to build everything in their lab first. Coming up, hear more about why stadiums were the perfect starting point for checkout-free technology. More with Krishna Motakuri after the break. JMA is a leading provider of distributed antenna systems in hundreds of stadiums worldwide, delivering the best performance, highest reliability, and lowest total cost of ownership. Our platform ensures that you're 5G ready when it comes time to add a private wireless 5G network to your existing venue infrastructure without a rip and replace providing a foundation of wireless connectivity to improve the fan experience while reducing operating costs for stadium owners and broadcasters. Visit jmawireless.com app to explore more. I'm guessing that's what led you to sports because that's it right. just strikes me it's so much easier to put something in there. Um, you know, you've got concessionaires on your side. You've got, you know, you don't have to worry about I, the the way I heard it is, you know, if you put in a convenience store, it's there. You can't change it. You know, a, a concession stand, if it doesn't work, you can close it down for a week. You can change it. Yeah. So I think sports was definitely great in many ways. It was, it was the right, you know, candidate. And I think eventually everybody else realized that as well. 
but we were one of the first ones to actually do that. And our logic was very simple, right? It's not, obviously you have to convince retailers to try this new tech, but you also have to convince the end customers because they are the real people that are spending money here, right? The, yeah. the, the people who are the end users who are shopping, they have to be convinced. And on, on the face of it, it looks like they should be, but you know, everybody is a little skeptical of something new and you know, sure. why should I, you know, it's like some gimmick, right? And so we looked for areas where the value for them would be so enormous that they can't ignore it, right? And so if you're spending 30 seconds to pick your favorite beer, which you already know you want to pick, right? But we're spending 15 minutes behind other people waiting in line. Now, if I got rid of those 15 minutes, I actually 100x your you know, <laughs> experience, yeah. right? And so no, you can't, you can't ignore it. And so that was the bet we took. And for us, that worked out well. And I saw personally, like firsthand, at these stadiums, folks, you know, that wouldn't be of this, the right demographic that you would think of adopting new tech. They would hear about this and like, what? I don't have to wait in line to do this. Yeah, I'm here. Like, take my credit card and then let me just go in and get stuff. Right. So that worked out very well for us. Yeah. And then I'm sure the return from COVID too was, you know, like every, everything else in stadium technology was, you know, like a jet fuel accelerant. Right. I mean, maybe if before people had been like, no, I'm just going to go up to that bar and talk to a bartender. But now they come back. Nobody wants to really touch each other or spend time talking. I mean, it's, you know, for a lot of these technologies, it it seems like this was good timing for that. I mean, nobody wants a pandemic, but, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And the COVID definitely was was a massive event and in many ways a tailwind for our tech. Biggest, I think I would say, side benefit of that whole experience was like people not relying on cash anymore. I think that was right. the biggest. Right? So, so cash definitely, you know, um, makes it is a it's a high friction <laughs> payment method, unfortunately, right? So, and and I think that is the was the biggest one. Now, on the on the communication on the people front, actually, turns out that people still enjoy it. And so, if you go to a zip and store at a stadium, you will see actually brand ambassadors the front yes. and they're oh, yeah. really chatting and talking and and customers really feel good about it it's one of those things where we realized you're you actually have better you know conversations more fun conversations with people when you are at various parts of the store and not at a at a cashier tail because you know you're blocking 10 other people you're not likely to have a conversation with them at that point right so, right. so you you know you're you're free to chat with the ambassador anytime you know so they can help you you know during the door to the store yeah it's like it's like going to a wine store right and you're wandering the aisles and you're looking at the bottles and somebody just comes up and says oh this is what's you know what does this taste like what does that taste like as exactly. opposed to doing that at the register when you can exactly. feel the people breathing yeah. down your neck how big a part of the overall business is, is sports stores? I mean, are you sort of front loaded just because of this? It was a good place to, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's great other markets. Airports just strike me as, you know, being great. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, look, I think this, this technology is applicable everywhere. And, and we are seeing already, like from our vantage point, sports and entertainment obviously is the, is the first and also the clear leader at this point, but transportation is quickly picked up. Uh, we have, quite a lot of uh, airport and train station stores and other areas like college campuses and so on are also, uh, you know, picking up. So there are many verticals. Now, as of today, I would say sports accounts for about 50% of our, of our business. 
Uh, and we're not done yet, right? Of course, sport, I mean, we're still like the very early stages, even within the sports, there are, uh, there are many, you know, locations that are not uh, entirely checkout free. In fact, we expect right. that literally every point of sale in every venue uh, would be checkout free. There's really no reason that as the tech becomes more and more mature and, uh, and less expensive as the costs keep dropping on the hardware, yeah, I don't think you get a lot of argument. Can you talk a little bit about how just the pricing models for this? You know, how does it come into a, a venue? I'm, I'm aware there are there are different you know lengths of contracts and things like that, but be, because some of I know some of the initial pushback I've I've heard from stadium people is, wow, this stuff is expensive. But it, you know, I think to your point, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Keep going on with the old one, or do you want something that pumps it up? But so so how do you guys uh, come in and actually price these things? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, look, our pricing models evolved. We do have uh, some flexibility, um, but primarily, Zipin is available as a software subscription model. That's a fully managed service, right? So it's not just some software we give you. It's like software that's run by us. It's managed uh, along with support, um, you know, regular updates. So all of that stuff, right? So it's a SaaS service. We have done a, a few, um, I would say, or transaction uh, models, but not that many. We've looked at those. I don't think that, I mean, first of all, many of our customers have not shown, you know, interest in those. So they would prefer like, you know, a very well-known fixed fast price model. Uh, but our technology does have a component, a cost component that is proportionate to the uh, traffic and the volume we process because the AI is running on our cloud, right? So we do require that a traffic estimate be provided before we can provide a quote. Uh, the hardware and uh, services are typically third-party. Um, so those are all you know, freely available in the market. Uh, Zipin does provide a fully managed service there as well. So we can help with procurement. And we do that almost every one of our cases right now. I think we're still at that stage where uh, we have dedicated teams that can actually procure the hardware for you, procure the installers. Uh, oversee their thing and, and project manage. Them. You're talking about like the gates and that kind of stuff. Gates, cameras, gates, and the cam. Even the cameras are actually you know commodity cameras, right? So we don't necessarily produce you know much of the hardware. There's some hardware that we do touch it, but not not many. But what's what's the current mix of stores? Because I, you know I, I know you first came in. It's like we're going to redo that stand, and then the drink lane idea came out, which is just brilliant, right? And then you guys announced the the walk up um, that's right. design. Yeah. So what's what's your current mix right now? Yeah, so I mean, I think that's something that we pride ourselves in. I mean, we, we do think that innovation, continuous improvement is a core value of the company, right? So I think that's what you're seeing here. Uh, obviously, retrofits were the the first natural thing we looked at, which is people had a space and they said, "Hey, I've got this. I want to do that." And usually, what that would mean is that they would they would retrofit that with technology. Sometimes they would actually demolish the old space, like make it look nicer. And then we realized that, look, hey, um, there is a, there's probably a better way for some people, for some use cases. And that is like, we could give them a prefabricated modular store that is already optimized for the most common use. And as you referred to it, like mostly drink markets with some snacks, you know, uh, mm -hmm. obviously took the zip and lane approach. The zip and lane is one which is prefabricated. We can get that up in one to two weeks, right? So wow. uh, and it's assembled on site. 
Um, so there's no construction. It's more like, you know, what I call IKEA furniture put together, <laughs> right? So that's right. the model, like, you know, everything gets flat pack shipped. So that has done really well. I mean, some of the numbers there are phenomenal. But what we also now realize is that like that still doesn't address the hot food uh, sales within the venues. And so we looked at the way hot food is sold today. There is existing infrastructure, there's kitchens, there's concession stands. And changing any of that would mean changing, I would say, what I call the local supply chain, you know, during the event. How does food get from the kitchen to the hands of the customer? And so what we did is we invented Zip and Walk Up, which takes an existing concession stand and turns that into a Zip and Powered concession stand. So you get the benefits of all of the Zip and you know, frictionless payments, frictionless, you know, self-service, everything, hot cabinets and the coolers and the ice buckets, they can all be actually brought to the counter. And you still have your kitchen in the back and somebody is just loading stuff from the back on the thing. So you reduce your labor costs dramatically and improve your fan experience. So with Zip and Walk Up, we've come up with an extremely lightweight model that allows us to offer this as a as a subscription fee only option. So no upfront capex, wow. right? So again, Going back to the uh, you know the the car analogy, this could be your Tesla Model Three, and we're doing everything we can that it's successful. So if it is, then it should be affordable for everybody in the venue. So anybody that you hear that says, "Hey, is this right? Is it too expensive?" We're hoping that 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 just gets the rest. Yeah, that's good. Do you have any of those coming out soon? I mean, so this can be a background. That's correct. Yeah, no, that's a very good question. So there are three that have already been signed and they're in various process of rolling out. So we should be able to announce those. Great. It strikes me too that, I mean, I just see it happening and I'm, I'm sure this is another thing that you, in the end, will benefit players like Zip and overall, the entire process of cooking and packaging the food has changed to facilitate a more grabbing, you know, you don't have the that's the hot right. dog sitting by itself in in a wrapper where you know you might drop it on the floor. Everything's packaged. Everything's easily moved around, and and that just seems to be another just sort of overall revolution. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Look, I think that's where I mean we've we've taken the approach of really like investing in the operations side, you know, of of our business. Uh, so we have dedicated teams that really understand the act, the current process that the concessionaires are going through and then make suggestions and modifications that we think are are in the right path for them right so like traditionally you know new technology comes along and says hey do this or or put this new tag on it or change this package you know we understand that like some things are easy some things are not and so we, we made those suggestions to them and i think that made it easier for us to kind of meet you know uh, halfway coming up we talk about Zippin's financial resources and how Zippin plans to keep advancing its business. More with Krishna Motakuri after the break. This episode is also brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally? with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues. Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. Can you talk a little bit 
maybe about the state of the company? Because I know you guys had a funding round, I think, a couple of years ago. How are you guys? You know, do you have any supply chain issues? Or is the funding good? Or are you looking for another round? How's your headcount going? We're certainly well capitalized, uh, and obviously, as you can see, you know we do earn quite a bit of revenue, right? Right, so, You're, it's coming in already. Yeah, so right now our our primary focus is on making sure that we are cash flow positive from that standpoint. So the unit economics, right? So as you can imagine, as the technology demand is now continuing to grow, we've addressed that first part, which is like there's going to be enough demand. Like how fast can we grow? Now the second part is right. of course. How do we do it in a sustainable fashion? So a lot of that is there. And so we're fairly well capitalized for that. Uh, we were always clearly, you know, looking at how much capital we need to raise based on the market conditions and the needs and so on. Uh, so that's just an ongoing thread in the back. I, I think you were saying that I don't see you guys as being in a, a place where there's great supply chain constraints. I mean, you're not not like the Wi-Fi people for, for a couple of years ago where... There were no Wi-Fi chips. For I know, I know, I know. Yeah, you know, you know, COVID did actually create a lot of challenge for everybody, even you know, for us a little bit. But we were somewhat fortunate, first of all, that because we were using commodity cameras, mm -hmm. uh, the specs for the cameras were reasonably uh, open, so we could select from a wide number of suppliers. So when one of the suppliers actually had an issue, uh, we were able to quickly turn it around. Right. Uh, so that was the benefit. Uh, but now I don't think we're seeing any of those challenges anymore. Not not as much. That's great. Um, you you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I wonder if you could expand on it a little bit. I I keep an unofficial count of the numbers of stores, right? And it seems like wow, this, there's a lot of stores going in. But then you go to a stadium, and you know, there's maybe I mean, there's only one store I know of, or one venue I know of in Denver that has you know nine stores, and I guess some more are coming. But um, what is the unaddressed market right now? I mean, we, are we still in our early days for this? I mean, yeah. you're, you know, it seems like you're planning for a future, like you said, where every store could possibly have this. And, and that That's seems right. to make sense from, a, you know, from yeah. a fan's point of view anyway. Absolutely. You're right. Right. So uh, let me address this. So today uh, I can share we have uh, 101 stores launched. We just celebrated serving our 2 millionth shopper. I think. That's amazing. Open. Yeah. So that's a lot of people that have gone through these stores, which is, again, the part of it, right? So it, it's the fact that they're in stadiums means more customers are getting exposed to new experience, which is in a kind of a tailwind for us. You know, they'll demand this next time they go somewhere, right? Right. Uh, they sit on the wrong section. They're like, ah, oh, there's no zip in here. I want a zip in here in this section too, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so we're hoping for that. And I would say that if you just looked at the sports market, um, first I'll start with the, just the sports market itself, right? So... There are about 100 professional venues, professional team venues, and each one, let's say, uh, could easily support, uh, on the average, 20 zip-in. And this assumes that a, a single zip-in is capable of actually handling the work of four different previous stands, right? So something Regular like that. stands, so, right. Uh, otherwise, your average NFL stadium can have 100 plus points of sale locations. So even at 20, we're looking at you know 2,000 stores just in sports. Right? So we're, right. we're definitely in early stages. There's no doubt about that. And the technology itself is widely applicable in all quick serve use cases. So th think any fast food restaurant, right? I already mentioned airports, all this stuff. But in the long run, every single fast food restaurant you can imagine would just use what the technology you're seeing in a stadium right off the bat. That does about $250 billion a year in sales in US alone. 
So that's how many transactions are getting done, right? So all of those should be powered by Zippin or somebody like Zippin. Um, right. Are you surprised that, I mean, you know, I, I just did a, a sort of recap of all the firms that are out there and it's, it's not a small group, um, you know, chasing this, but there's really only two, I would say maybe three players uh, addressing stadiums right now. Are you a little surprised by that or do you expect to see more competition soon? So I would say in some ways it's it's by design. <laughs> so um, so stadium use case, while it's actually the ideal use case, it's also in many ways the most challenging for technology. So the example I give to people is the is the Tesla Roadster example. So what you're seeing with Zippin in the stadiums and maybe one other player, I wouldn't say even that many, just one other very large competitor <laughs> in this space. You're right. Only ones that have working tech in, in stadiums. And that's because it's the highest performance version you need in a stadium. Imagine like in a tiny space, 30, 40 people are bunched together, all wearing similar looking jerseys. Okay. And all of them getting beer. So they're all like similar height. Everything is the same. And you got to figure out all of that stuff. And they, by the way, I mean, they're doing, you know, as many transactions in three hours as a normal, like a micro market would do in an entire month. If you didn't have your strategy of going after this, you wouldn't build that Tesla Roadster first, right? And so that's exactly the reason why others, even though they know this is the right one, they've tried, attempted. Uh, we've actually had documented cases where one of our competitors tried, failed really badly. And the, when you called us right off, right away, within six weeks, they got a zip and you know, up and running there. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, because when I would, you know, my experience is a little bit limited seeing it live, but when I went back to um, Empower Field in Mile High here in Denver, um, the second time, you know, I saw it the first time, people were like, oh, this is really cool. And the second time, you know, everybody just knows to go there. And I'm That's like, right. wow, you, this is not something that can go down. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and you can't yeah. be out of beer either. I mean, that's right. Yeah. It changes the whole supply equation too, because yeah. if you're selling X more number exactly. of things, you have to figure out how do I keep that cooler fill right. Right. from yeah. the back, if I can. From the back. So loading in the back, how fast can you load these things? Exactly. Like you said, like, you know, you cannot have even minutes of downtime, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the only thing that, that is even between the store and everything else is actually the, the venue's internet. That's it. If, if that is affected, then they may have some impact. Even that, we're trying to address it. Like we're just basically saying there's a way to do offline transactions. But everything in the store is designed with very high redundancy because we know in those three hours, like you can't say my SLA is four hours to fix things. You know, <laughs> right? You, you lost the whole event. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I think that's about it for us. You know, I, this has been fascinating to watch um, for me. Mainly because from where I sit, uh, I don't know if you saw, but you know we've been covering technology for ten years, and I would say for about eight and a half of those years, there was zero technology innovation on the concession side. I mean, the Niners tried when they opened Levi Stadium, you know, to do the NC delivery, and that ran into a bunch of issues, which were not actually technology related. But you know, it's amazing what's happened over the past year, year and a half, in, in terms of this checkout, checkout free, you know, stadiums just. Stadiums love it. Fans love it. I mean, it just seems like a, a great place to be. And you know, thank uh, you. Congratulations! Yeah. And we we can't sit, wait to see what's next here. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank the sponsors of Stadium Tech Report, whose support enables us to continue our efforts to bring our objective, unbiased, and unpaid for content 
the Stadium Technology Marketplace. Our supporters include our co-producing sponsor, AmpThink, our survey sponsor, Verizon, our podcast title sponsors, Matsing and JMA, and our publication sponsors, which include Boingo, Mobility, Comscope, and American Tower. The Stadium Tech Report podcast is brought to you by Stadium Tech Report, the go-to publication for stadium technology news, analysis, and commentary. Technical production for the Stadium Tech Report podcast is led by creative director Dan Grimsley and digital designer Jackie Wen. Web and design work is by David Farris and John David. All contents of the Stadium Tech Report podcast are copyright Stadium Tech Report. Audio, video, and print content may not be reused without the express written consent of Stadium Tech Report.